0: to find when I first started Walcott in 2015, 2016, that the conventional notion of getting music out there no longer exists. That's an old world 20th century perspective that has been dead in the water for quite a while, but I found that people's notions of the way it works now hasn't really caught up to where it actually is. And the thing is that things change so fast now that the puck is always moving. The the puck isn't even where it was three years ago. Yeah, there's an exponential change because the very foundation. Sorry, it's it's. uh, My producer told me the producer of these singles. He told me the music business is eighty percent business, Mm -hmm. twenty percent music.
1: On this episode of Playtime, singer-songwriter Asher George from the band Walcott. I'm W.C. Turk, playwright, artist, and author. This might be as close as most people come without actually crawling into the mind of a singer-songwriter. Asher John George fronts the band Walcott. Their new single, Another Man, was released February 25th and is streaming on Spotify, akin to the bright musical expressions of David Gray and the moody lyricism of Andrew Bird, Asher George and Walcott are a space to watch. How did how did they do with that that description, brother?
0: Sounded great to me. Can't so, argue with uh, Andrew Bird and David Gray.
1: Even though I'm I'm always I'm always a little uncomfortable making direct comparisons between artists because everybody has their own voice and their own style. But some people who buy music need that, that little help over the, over the the ledge, so to speak, Mm. in order to bring them to to somebody's music and, and connecting, connecting artists or connecting sounds is, uh, is is, I found the best way of, of accomplishing that.
0: I think it's just like the very purpose of like when a band opens for another band, that's related, but more not. you know, it's a bit of a entry point.
1: Yeah, yeah, sort of, sort of. Who is is Asher George? <laughs> Where do you grow up? Uh, and when did you first pick up the guitar, man?
0: I am from the suburbs of Chicago, born and raised uh-huh. there my entire life. Uh, uh, in Naperville since high school. Before that, it was like Clarendon Hills, Bolingbroke. Yeah. Plainfield, so though.
1: I grew up in Lester. Romeoville, used to run around Naperville.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I spent uh, quite a long time in Naperville and then lived in the city a little bit in uh-huh. uh, Lincoln Park area, Lakeview area, uh-huh. and then went to DePaul. And then I moved out to Charlotte, North Carolina a few years ago, playing guitar one, in 2007. So in wow. in high school, yeah, I, I mean, relatively late, I started playing piano when I was in the third grade, I was putting uh, classical piano lessons, because uh-huh. play piano at church one day, but my dad was a musician. He was he played in rock and roll bands in the '80s in Chicago. He played the circuit and did well for himself. He was a serious musician, so I was kind of raised listening to wow. serious music. You know, Jethro Tull and Yes and. Yeah. The Beatles and Dire Straits, Eagles, just so he, he didn't have much of a tolerance for what was popular on the radio when it came to, you know, Britney Spears or whatever <laughs> at the time. So all of my friends were listening to Linkin Park. I was listening to Led uh-huh. Zeppelin. <laughs> I, I kind of grew up with a kind of serious, firm musical foundation. And I played piano from third grade to high school. And then I kind of burnt out on it. I got to like a classical collegiate level and classical piano level. Like I was playing like, you know, Tchaikovsky and stuff, but I kind of, it was kind of what my parents wanted me to do. And then I kind of fell into uh, hearing John Mayer and Jimmy Page and like kind of discovering the, I wanted to get into jazz piano, but I didn't have an inroad. I didn't know, I didn't listen to jazz piano music. And I I liked the idea of improvising because I could only Mm -hmm. play Mm -hmm. classical piano if the notes were in front of me. Mm-hmm. there weren't notes in front of me i couldn't play a dang thing you know like it was, so it was almost like being unable to write english <laughs> unless you saw something to transcribe shakespeare
1: you know I mean? in front of you yeah
0: yeah 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 <laughs> so, so something with the guitar clicked with me when it came to blues guitar
1: um, that's really interesting
0: so it was like a Trip, that, that improvising thing that i wanted for piano i found that in the guitar and i just went. yeah
1: i just had a had a conversation with uh with martin Barr, who's a who's a very very dear friend of the show uh the guitar player from from Jeff tall and he is heavily steeped into the blues uh this, the same thing with greg martin from kentucky kentucky headhunters deep deep into the blues as as a basis for yeah. for everything that they do that foundation is so critical is is that what you're finding
0: oh yeah and what's funny is that having that that blues foundation mm-hmm. even beneath that i have a classical foundation
1: uh-huh how like, do they I, fit like, together
0: yeah yeah so inadvertently like the classical foundation is so all-encompassing that it's infinitely transferable mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. easy to take it mm-hmm. okay i took it in the blues direction and then into whatever you want to call prog rock jazz fusion psychedelic and it's i can take that over into jazz and almost anything because having just that that literacy Mm -hmm. on on a notational level on a melodic level modalities Mm -hmm. scales it endlessly
1: those two styles of music those two genres of music classical european classical and and african african built and created blues are really the cornerstones of of damn near everything that we play exactly yeah
0: exactly yeah so the classical foundation is is essentially the foundation of all western music Mm -hmm. and then the blues jazz foundation is the foundation of all contemporary western music so it's you can take things in many directions and it it's it's cool to have that inadvertently you know it's uh you, you, my, my parents always said that they would i would thank them one day for forcing them for for them forcing me to take piano lessons because if i quit i wasn't allowed to play playstation <laughs> so that and, wasn't an option now i'm like
1: <laughs> and and have you thanked them officially <laughs> oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> Was that a, was that a tear-filled cathartic moment at the oh, yeah, yeah. at the George household
0: <laughs> never seen my dad beam like that before he's uh
1: what he was, he was away he, he shaking was, his head
0: yeah he, he would call at the time like he couldn't him having such a specific and serious taste in music he actually couldn't tolerate what was on the radio so yeah all my cool friends in middle school high school whatever they were listening to they like if I put that on he'd be like change it now and then you'd put like Chick Korea Return of Forever, like mm-hmm. LD Miola, just jazz fusion. Yeah. I, I listened to a lot of uh, worlds and jazz music fusion mm-hmm. that my dad would play me, acoustic alchemy and the, these other instrumental. Th- th- so I just had this kind of genetic appreciation for musicianship
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: artistry and mm-hmm. actual competence that, that was like long lasting. And I think when I took to music on my own, when it came to John Mayer and Radiohead Coldplay, Led Zeppelin, Pink, like when I found my own way into it, that wasn't my dad's way into it. Yeah. I I was, it was cool because it had the mass pop appeal of what was on the radio, but it had a longer lasting substance. Uh You know what I mean? Because I knew what was, uh, since I came from that musical foundation, I could tell that what was popular at that time just wasn't going to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I found my way in pop music that had more substance and more lasting appeal, it had that foundation of musicality and musicianship, mm-hmm. but it also had that pop appeal.
1: Let, let's talk about, about your music specifically. Dream in a way was the first song that I heard by you guys, and I fell in love with that song instantly. It's such a beautifully done and produced song.
3: There's a
1: you you released it late last year uh even even though the band has been more or less together since about 2016 am i am i correct in that
0: yeah that's a bit of a concluded story i mean uh-huh. walcott is more akin to what like Ke- kevin parker is the tame impala okay then it you know Tom York is the Radiohead like it's or even like Steely Dan in a way where they are just rotating session musicians with uh uh-huh. okay one or two guys that stayed like so walcott the, the way dreaming away was made the way another man and this mm-hmm. next coming single feels all right what was that it, it it was me not really wanting to release music as Astro George
2: mhm
0: you know okay Asher George to me is like Clark Kent, you know, he's just a <laughs> boring <laughs> everyday dude. I, I, and, uh, and I didn't want to go and I felt like the kind of music I want to make, if I was to do it as a solo artist, it would have to be this more David Bowie, Peter Gabriel thing. Yeah, I, I don't think if I personally have the clout to pull off in terms of aesthetics and style so i thought to hide behind some kind of band name thing
1: so how much how much of dream in a way is is asher george and how much of it is is the collaboration with with the other musicians that uh that I,
0: yeah i wrote this song okay i i wrote the song the melody the lyrics the everything i wrote the whole tune I sang it, I played the guitars on it. The arrangement came together in a rehearsal with a few session musicians mm-hmm. and my producer. And that's so, that's it's,
1: critical. It's, that that's important.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it uh it came together rather quickly because I guess the song was there. Yeah. And then that was it. Like there wasn't a long incubation process in terms of arrangement and production. It it was really, Mm -hmm. okay, we have this, let's just put something on it. And it was the same thing with another man. It was just Mm -hmm. like the, the keys player just literally improvised the harpsichord part. I'm like, Oh, well, that works. (laughs) (laughs) And it just happened. It, Ended up sounding a lot like a Vampire Weekend song, honestly. The the kind of baroque, like the 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 variety of the songs, it's just like Dreaming Away. I heard mm-hmm. was more like a Brit pop '90s Oasis kind of thing. Okay. Another man is came the way it was just arranged on the fly came out more like a what are they called baroque pop Vampire Weekend, Paul uh-huh. McCartney kind of thing, which is completely two different subgenres, but.
3: Just the other day, my head began to ache, cause another man's all it takes, to take you off my plate, I just can't see you, with another man it's true.
0: Next song is even something in between.
1: Uh, Both of those songs and and the the, the one you just alluded to uh, are going to appear on an EP, songs for the disenfranchised. Yeah, um, but you're you're kind of trickling these songs out. We've talked on this show a number of times uh, about the modern music marketing strategy in which most young music buyers. I, I'm I'm a complete outlier. Because I, I really try to stay on top of contemporary music, so so I I'll go for the one-offs, I'll go for the album, I'll go for the EP, depending on what's available. But a lot of music buyers, most most music downloaders, actually uh, will pick and choose a song, and then that's what they grab, and and then they they tailor their their music list or their their music to fit their their personal tastes was was that a consideration here at at all ahead of the release the upcoming release for songs for the disenfranchised
0: yeah that was very much part and parcel of how how i've been rolling out this release especially Uh essentially starting from scratch essentially
2: yeah
0: but kind of knowing what the map looks like I, i just decided that doing these singles like that, and mm-hmm. then just releasing the EP as a collection of the singles was the best way to reach the most diverse audience, finding its way to people that would like it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. especially dropping a debut EP out of nowhere with mm-hmm. uh, re- being relatively unknown. What, what, how many hundreds of hours or thousands of hours or songs are uploaded to Spotify on a daily basis? Yeah. You're just immediately lost in the ether. So. Freeman away and another man in and of themselves mm-hmm. do cover different sub genre fan bases in a way. I mean, there is an overlap in the Venn diagram.
1: So how do you give, give advice to, to all the, all the music, all, all the musicians that, that we talk to cutting through the noise and that, yeah. that, that volume of, of downloads uh, or uploads, I guess, uh, of music. How does an artist, Cut through that noise, and or is it is it simply just about making the very best music? And just to just to argue with myself, I guess on on that is if you're making the very best music that you can, is that enough in today's marketing music climate?
0: I did spend a very long time, several years, in fact, studying and learning how it all works today, mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. I came to find when I first started Walcott in 2015, 2016, that the conventional notion of getting music out there no longer exists. That's an old world 20th century perspective that has been dead in the water for quite a while, but I found that people's notions of the way it works now hasn't really caught up to where it actually is. And the thing is that things change so fast now that the puck is always moving. The, the the puck isn't even where it was three years ago. Yeah, there, there's an exponential change because the very foundations are. It's, it's uh, my producer told me the producer of these singles. He told me the music business is eighty percent business, twenty mm-hmm. percent music. Mm.
1: I, I I've I've never heard that. Uh, and and I, I was gonna throw out. A uh, a great resource. Uh, Jason Feehan, uh is is a friend of the show. Uh, lives just up in Evanston, not too not too far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's got a best selling book, The Indie Band Survival Guide, which mm-hmm. talks a lot about uh, about marketing strategies and and how to promote your music and help cut through that. But I've never heard that. And and but that makes a lot of sense. That music is eighty percent business and 20 percent the music that's that's astounding
0: music today starting a music career today is akin to starting a tech startup Mm -hmm. it's one of the same the the foundation is cyber it's digital not analog yeah and there's this mistaken notion that you should like in 1995 you just get in a van and drive around And hopefully somebody hands you a contract. It's just never going to (laughs) happen.
1: Right, right. Or passing out CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: There needs to be a bridge between the analog and digital world. You have to capture fans as their customers. Your song is a digital product, essentially. And just like with any e-commerce online company, building a customer base is the same as building a fan base. It's like there's email marketing. There's direct Facebook advertising. Yeah. Social media following, um, merch sales,
1: mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but not a lot of musicians that I know started out independently wealthy, mm-hmm. where they could throw a ton of money. I, I was just speaking with uh, with an author who's had a, a lot of success in her career, but but I asked her, you know, how she she writes in in several different genres, and so I asked her, what's the key to this? To, to her success and she says it's money it's always about the money you yeah. gotta come up with money for marketing for yeah. for web ads or youtube ads or facebook ads or what have you
0: yeah it's the same thing like yeah so it's a perfect analogy 90 percent of businesses or companies fail in the first five years yeah due to lack of capital they run out yeah. of money
2: yeah
0: it's the same thing with music yeah and it's just musicians and artists by nature are very bad at monetizing their art because (laughs) for very obvious reasons we don't want to look at it as a product and that's where artists get exploited and scammed Uh because the money makers just see it as bottom line and if you producers
1: are always getting paid
0: yeah exactly this whole organic reach stuff like (laughs) if you have a great song people just get it no i mean if the Beatles released Hey Jude today. Nobody would hear it if they didn't have the infrastructure and scale like way to scale and promote the songs, yes. yeah. They to even and even that, forget the nature of the song, maybe not being what contemporary popular music is, but even a song like Stairway to Heaven or Hotel California, mm-hmm. the vocals don't start till what like a minute in or whatever.
1: Something, yeah, something like Spotify
0: that. Spotify now has skip rates, most people will hit next on the song in the first three seconds so there's just so many more variables to consider people say like okay well there are fewer gatekeepers now Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. anybody can make it but the truth is there used to be a few high quality gatekeepers that would filter out the quality from the crap yeah now there are tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of tiny gatekeepers that aren't without quality control so, you can release the best song ever made, the greatest album of all time, and nobody will hear it if you don't understand how to get it heard.
1: That's such a brilliant analogy. As an artist, do you feel constrained by v- these new market rules? You, you You brought up spotify and 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 people clicking out of a song. if they don't hear, if they don't hear what they want to hear, in the first three seconds so so you sort of have to you have to hit right off the off the bat but a lot of songs don't do that a lot of artists don't necessarily think that way or they don't envision the construction of their song that way
0: you bring up a really interesting point I, I think if you're an artist on at least you have enough of a following or you're mm-hmm. on a big enough label independent or a reputable established label where you don't have to consider these things like they still have somewhat of a reach in the old way where you can do an avant-garde, whatever Mm -hmm. seven minute song that only gets to the first verse three minutes in, and they can get that out to a decent amount of people that would like that in their own way. But if you're into completely independent, starting from scratch, the conundrum is you do not want to write songs around an algorithm. You want to write songs that are organic and natural and speak to your own cases mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and experiences, not to capitalize on an ever-changing kind of digital landscape.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I'm not like vouching for that. Like start mm-hmm, like writing manufactured hyper hooky songs, hook, 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 super hook, you know, like mm-hmm. just right, whatever you want to write. But mm-hmm. it's about, I think just understanding the lay of the line. So when you ask me if I yeah. think all this is constraining, it's constraining if you don't accept it for what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you lo- if you learn how to work with it, okay, this is the foundation now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do I utilize this to my advantage? Instead of like stubbornly pushing it aside or ignoring it and trying to approach it in the way it was in the 80s or 90s, that's just mm-hmm. The world doesn't exist like that anymore. I-, I found that being taking the time to face these uncomfortable truths of how it works now that mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when this EP was uh, recorded, I was told that it would put me on the map, get me signed, put me on the festival circuit. And, and then a the whole thing, there, there wasn't that road didn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where like this EP or these singles, if they did come out 20, 25 years ago, it potentially would have gotten me signed right away Mm -hmm. potentially would have gotten me in advance right away Mm -hmm. and given that infrastructure to play here and get on the radio and this and that and just all i had to worry about is writing songs recording them trying to get a hit touring doing interviews blah 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 now it was now it's well how do i get the most out of this another man yeah is it
1: any more constraining than, say, a chord progression or, 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 or some of the, some of the other rules of, of writing and, and playing an instrument that as you said, it's 80% business and 20% music. So now we're in this, this place where where the realities of, of business are being directly applied. To, to the reality of uh, of music making and creativity and mm-hmm. and there's going to be there's going to be an uncomfortable bridge there at least at least for a time but we've we've always said on the show we've always advocated on this show uh, to authors and painters and dancers and, and and theater people that that you need to focus on on the business aspect as much as the creative aspect
0: yeah completely yeah that's uh it's it you you can't it's a non-negotiable
1: let's talk about walcott for uh for for just a bit which uh you you characterized one way i i I sort of thought of it like this you're a telecommute band um telecommute band yeah um you're now based in charlotte and the rest of the band is here in chicago Yeah. yeah um what what precipitated the move to to charlotte
0: I I was just in Chicago my whole life. Needed a change of scenery. I had some family move out here, so I I used that as an excuse to Uh as a stepping stone, and I decided to just stay.
1: There's there's a pretty great music culture in uh, in Charlotte. How how are you finding coming out of COVID here? uh, How are you finding the uh, the music scene there? That's
0: a great question because I came out here right before COVID, Uh and right before it started, I. Started getting out into the music scene
2: yeah, in Charlotte,
0: yeah. and then it shut down within a, c- a couple months. Yeah, and it started back up in the past few months. So it's really, it real, really feels like my time out in Charlotte has only started in the past three months.
1: Are you getting on okay. stage at all?
0: Uh, yeah, every week. I. Um, right. w- w- what's great about Charlotte is that because it's so, sm- it's not a m- music destination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not an artist destination so the the community is tight-knit intimate everybody's friends with everybody it's and the bar of talent is a lot higher because of that it's not saturated yeah and it's there's a venue here called the evening muse which is i've heard one of the two preeminent open mics and small venues on the east coast along it's like I don't know if you've heard of Eddie's Attic. From yes, I've Atlanta. heard of Eddie's so, Attic. Yep, yep. Yeah, John Mayer made his name there. And mm-hmm. the Evening News is very much the Eddie's Attic of Charlotte. It's the other one that isn't known mm-hmm. on the same level of Eddie's Attic yet, but mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of time. Uh, and there's some other really cool just venues out here with open mics and shows that mm-hmm. they all just kind of fit in with each other perfectly, you know, and everybody you get into one place you get into the other place and yeah so i'm i'm out here i'm playing multiple times a week nice nice and, yeah at the evening news uh, did i see Starlight like right i'm 22nd and some others
1: did i see that you you don't have a lot of lot of uh, stage experience
0: yeah it's 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 been such a scattershot like process of getting out there that when i was recording this ep out in chicago several yeah, years ago yeah. i was i was performing out and. At the elbow room every week. Oh, right, right, yeah. At um Lily's Tavern every week. Mm -hmm. I ended up I played Lincoln Hall, Martyrs, okay, Burlington Elbow Room several times.
1: And the reason I asked that, as someone who's who's kind of new to the stage, what are you learning from from each performance?
0: That's a really good question. That's not something I put a lot of thought into. It's about in the way a stand up comic needs to read the room.
1: Yeah. Great it's analogy. Very similar. Yeah. Like
0: it's easy as an artist, you tend to express what you're feeling. Yeah. But when it comes to stage performing, you have to do the opposite. You can't, if the room is a certain kind of vibe, you have to overpower it in a way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you just reflect it, you'll be lost in the noise, you know? steer the ship when it comes to the energy or atmosphere
1: that's such a great analogy i did a little bit of stand-up comedy years ago uh and they expect you to be uh what's the word funny and uh so um so my 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 stand-up career was relatively short-lived um (laughs) But uh, but yeah, you you have to be on. You have to be in the moment. The yeah. the, the timing's got to be there. Yeah. That's such a such a perfect perfect analogy. Walcott, I got to ask you this. I know that there's a Walcott Street in London, but I also had this conversation with Mark Vickery from Cosmic Bull, and I told him something. About uh, that, I, I had researched the name cosmic bull. There's there's a concept or or, or uh, there's there's something in in Islam that refers to to a cosmic bull. And he said, "Wow, that's great," but you thought about it way more than I did. I just thought cosmic bull sounded cool. Um, so I got to ask you where where the name Walcott came from.
0: First of all, I. Had- no idea about this cosmic bull thing never heard it until just now but yeah this is also this is strange so walcott me and my friend who i started walcott with Uh uh-huh we met in college we went through dozens and dozens of name ideas and vast majority we kind of came to like this realization that there's no such thing as a good or great band name there is such thing as a bad name that's crap <laughs> like yeah. yeah like there are bad band names it's just <laughs> not having a bad band name that immediately puts a glass ceiling on <laughs> what you can be you know what i mean uh, and, and we we distilled it down to a few and it just ended up being as simple as his apartment in uh i think it was logan square or something i don't know it was on wolcott w-o-l-c-o-t-t
1: t-t right
0: yeah a street in chicago and but the spelling was weird to me it looked like there were marbles in your mouth when you looked (laughs) at it we wanted to say it Uh, so i just i changed it to w-a-l-c-o-t and then somebody told me it sounds like a 60s band from the uk i was like huh okay well that's a big musical part of the dna and then i looked it up and there's a town in england Yes. From Bath called from Walcott. Beth. Yeah. Then it turns out there's a Vampire Weekend song called Walcott with just an extra T. Wow. And uh, the way we did uh, Another Man Live sounded exactly like the piano part from the Vampire Weekend song. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very uh, odd series of synchronicities. But yeah, that's the story there. And like I've thought many times, I'm like, is Walcott or like what is that? I mm-hmm. it's kind of reminiscent of Wilco from Chicago and they're an in yeah. It was just like, oh, this is a word that works for a band name that isn't bad, and potentially it's good enough to succeed. You know? There's a
3: sealed Rusty old on Your head. Keep away. The wonderful guy that has behind it, the plan.
1: Folks, that the songs for for the EP um, were written a number of years ago before COVID. Mm-hmm. You're playing you're playing out live now. How do you how do you round out a set beyond those three those three songs? Oh, what, I have, what else uh, are you playing?
0: I have many 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 other uh, original songs. Like what uh-huh. when these songs were recorded, they were chosen. At random out of 10 or so. Okay. Which I demoed. And by random I mean by random. Like everybody involved in the process of recording the EP Mm -hmm. wanted a completely different set of songs. Yeah. Yeah. So these weren't even the best of the 10 demoed ones. Of the 10 demoed ones, there were just 10 I demoed from probably dozens more. Wow. That I was attending to also record, and since then I've written a plethora of new material. That a big part of this release is kind of building up this momentum, so mm-hmm. that I can record all this other material. So, and a lot of it doesn't really work solo acoustic or solo electric. And mm-hmm. the whole point of this is getting to a point where I can build up a fan base and the funds to record all this music properly. Nice. And so, yeah, I I have many other originals, and uh, only a few of which. I'm actually doing uh-huh. live and some covers and
1: i, I saw this dreaming away is only the second song that you ever finished this is a song this is the, these are your words this is a song that you wrote back on the back of a comcast bill in yeah. your parents basement in 2014 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while noodling on your dad's 1993 fender american stratocaster yeah that's a great story but the story doesn't end there, talk about Dan Steinman and uh, and the class you took at DePaul. My wife is a uh, is a DePaul uh, alum. I'd love you to tell that story.
0: <laughs> so that when I was going to DePaul, I took a gen ed requirement recording class. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I would already taken one. From Dan and the reason why I moved to this I was commuting from the suburbs but I moved mm-hmm. to the city so for the very reason of getting out there musically and like starting all this and getting all this in motion yeah I honored I took another class from Dan with a solo intention of well he was an in-house engineer at Ivy Lab Studios on Clybourne at the time mm-hmm. and we went there for for a like a field trip kind of thing to go in the studio and I proposed to him that I wanted to record a demo. So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he's like, okay, like, send me something. I sent him a, I threw together a little demo of Dreaming Away on GarageBand, having zero idea how to record or do anything. Just electric guitar on that strat and vocal, sent him a very stripped down demo of Dreaming Away. And he liked it to the point where he sent it to his production partner, Matt Thompson. Mm -hmm. They liked it so much that they said they wanted to record an EP for me. He said he wanted to do this EP for me in February of 2015. Wow. So we recorded it in end of May Mm -hmm. and June. And uh, so I'd only been... Performing for a few months, a couple times a week, and then the EP and, and was recorded, and I just didn't really release it properly mm-hmm. until recently because of all the complications we talked about earlier.
1: Uh, yeah. But Dreaming Away and and Another Man, they have they have great energy. It sounds like that inspiration is is new, and, and, but you said that that you've you've been playing or or you wrote those songs a number of years ago how do you how do you keep that inspiration that energy that that sound fresh
0: that's a great question um these songs I wrote well the songs were always written honestly mm-hmm. in terms of being very like quote unquote vulnerable for lack yeah. of a better word yeah uh, like and without trying to lyrically fit some conventional mold mm-hmm Like, I I had enough of a predisposition for, like, the guitar and the tunes, the melodicism, that it was just about finding my own lyrical voice Mm -hmm. in terms of expressing. And all these songs are, in a way, are about an inner world juxtaposed with the outer world. Mm -hmm. And when those songs were written, it was just very much existing in this inner world that I kind of turtle shelling in a way. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, I'm gonna live in my head for a while before I get out there and see if it's good for me to not live in my head. Are you guys feeling this way too? Like I, that comes from like being really influenced by John Mayer, mm-hmm. which he. His songs, he was a huge influence in guitar playing, songwriting as an artist because he he was this kind of suburban, introspective guy, which, <laughs> is, which is like a archetype that isn't very known in this country. I, I don't know if I want to say suburban eccentric, but essentially like a masculine vulnerability that's honest,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that isn't weak.
1: A dissident you know, suburbanite. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like a domestic, but yet grandiose introspection that really kind of spoke to me because I was in high school and college, it was just like living in my head, <laughs> going like, eh, "I'm not sure about all this. I don't know if I buy the the BS of what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life." And I, saw which, which I think is about. the
1: essence of music, man.
0: Yeah 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 and and that deeply informed me like my when we recorded another man when my producer heard the lyrics he said an 80s male rock star wouldn't be caught dead with this song (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like okay i don't know what that means but i'll take it
3: Father I would roll for a fresh dawn so you could see me glow Tables will be turned in a day I will let you know
1: We should uh, we should mention the band here you said that uh even though you're, you're now living in Charlotte, North Carolina, that this is the band that you always wanted. So let's, let's talk about, uh, and and I know, I know some of the others are are, uh, more studio musicians, but talk about the band a little bit and, and what they, what they mean to, to you and to, to the music.
0: Yeah. The the EP was recorded with studio musicians, but Mm -hmm. I ended up, Musically, kind of meshing with the a few other guys. One of them who I started Walcott with, but it, it, it's a bit of a telecommute
2: <laughs>
0: handoff collaboration, as you said. It's mm-hmm. that isn't it doesn't necessarily reside on them being fixed personnel in the music. So yeah. after uh, it feels all right comes out and the EP comes out, well, this is properly putting out something before the band really even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of Asher George pseudo-Walcott solo okay. project. Now, when the next record comes out by the end of this year, it'll be the first fully realized thing from top to bottom where I had oh. full say over the arrangement production and the maturity of my vocals since mm-hmm. I've now been singing for seven years Or what, and the song or the guitar playing, it'll all be very much fully realized in the way I would... Somebody said, like, this EP is kind of like... Radiohead's first album, Pablo Honey, like okay. It, it's right. kind of like the appetizer before like the bends, or like the, the kind of EP before the debut full length, where it's just like they have the teenage training wheel sound,
2: mm-hmm. but it
0: all comes together on the first LP, and that's what this next thing is gonna be. So when it comes to the telecommute, to telecommute band, it's just well, do they have something to put to this? Mm-hmm. Because conceptually, I want to go more in like the Beatles' route in their studio years. Yeah. Where one of the Beatles' songs from the White Album might only have Paul McCartney on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a string quartet and then a trumpet player. And then really they were like similar to that where mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. just, it wasn't necessarily just them for all. And, and, I, and I think that's the direction where walkout is going.
1: Website. Are, are you there with a website yet? or?
0: Um... I'm building that out properly right okay. now. The main web presence is Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, but really Instagram is like the home of the, the music presence
1: which, by the way, way, from from and we were we were talking marketing earlier. Which, by the way, that those those are so so key. I, I've I've had I've had run-ins and arguments with so many people who said, "Yeah, I'm getting off Facebook, or I'm quitting Instagram, or I'm I'm I'm, I'm diving off of, of social media." But for artists who are are kind of underfunded or watching uh, at least on a tight budget. Or watching every every dime that goes out the door, those are absolutely key for for small businesses. Those social media sites are absolutely key to to their ongoing creative enterprise, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, as it were.
0: Yeah, I heard like as music has started opening up in the past few months. Yeah, I kind of came to the realization, and like with talking to some other musicians, also. I went to Nashville a couple times recently where it's, you know, obviously a songwriter music hub, but Instagram is now, is the business card for a musician. Yeah. Like yes. it is. And then Facebook is more of the community fan club thing.
1: Dreaming away and another man, two great, great songs by Walcott. Asher George fronts the band Walcott. Their new single, another man was released february 25th and is streaming right now on spotify akin to the bright music expressions as i said earlier of david gray uh and the moody lyricism of andrew bird asher george and walcott are a space to watch thank you man thank you for having me Thanks. really enjoyed this conversation this was this was really wonderful and i I look forward look forward to hearing hearing more from you